Welcome back to episode 17 of the Almost Shameless Podcast with Tanya Ray Fox. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox, and I am coming to you just before Christmas. The last time I talked to you, it was Thanksgiving. Been a long month in between, longer than I would have hoped before recording again. I did take a little hiatus and fly out to Massachusetts to see my immediate family so we could spend a little time. We did our own Christmas there before Christmas Day so that we could be back for our work schedules, but Chris and I flew out there. We were super careful. plane was very not full by any means. So we didn't have to be near people on the plane. We got off, went directly, got our rent into, into our rental car, drove down to my mom's and we quarantined there the entire time. We did get tested. We waited a couple of days to get tested so that we had time for if we did have the virus for it to show up. We both tested negative and we, yeah, we spent the entire um, span at my mom's house. We only saw my mom and my sister's like immediate family. Um, I think total, it was like five other people outside of us. And so it didn't come without risks, obviously. I'm not going to say that, but it was t- worth it for us to be able to spend some time with my family. And I got to see the family dog and cat and, you know, just stuff that's good for the heart, good for the soul. And we felt comfortable being able to do it. And then flying back, you know, same deal. And we are now home quarantining. Um, I obviously still work from home, as you guys know, but Chris does occasionally go into the studio for ESPN. He does a lot of work from home, but he also does go in from time to time as well. So he is quarantining here until he goes back in. So as safe as one could possibly be, we did that. It was nice to have the break. It's so hard because anytime I do anything outside of my normal schedule, it is it becomes basically impossible for me to podcast because the time that it takes for me to record this, like figure out what I want to talk about, record this, edit it down, then edit it you know, completely and get it posted and then promote it. I mean, it's a full day's worth of work. And if I'm taking time to spend with my family, you know, or whatever else, that's full day that I would be removing from the time that I've allotted to see them in this crazy year. So it's all a give and take, but I am here now and I hope that everybody is being safe and able to enjoy their holidays. It is a bittersweet time for Patriots fans because as we know, The Patriots were officially eliminated from the playoffs in their loss to the Dolphins last week. Uh, It was weird that they were even still technically in it, you know, but cool. You know, it was cool to have something to play for even that late into the season at this point. But they are officially uh, out. Um, The Bills are officially in. Dolphins are still fighting for their spot. As of right now, the Dolphins would be the seven seed and would thus play the Bills in the wild card round of the playoff. So I personally am rooting for that because I want to see one of them kicked out right off the top. You know, I want to see, I I don't want to risk either one of them, both of them getting through. And let's be honest, I think the Dolphins are a sneaky enough team to beat just about anyone outside the Chiefs and the Chiefs have the bye and will probably maintain it. So, you know, that, that scares me at the very least, let the Bills knock the Dolphins off so that, you know, we get it out of the way. Or, I mean, geez, it could go the other. Who the fuck knows? Division, you know, you guys know, I am always extremely nervous about division games. I think that at any point in time, a division rival 
can beat another division rival regardless of the talent gap, regardless of the, you know, the gap in record or what they have to play for. I don't care what it is. There is those are the games where the biggest upsets happen. And I've been saying this. I promise. This is on record for all the world to see. I'm not just saying this just because the Bengals just completely destroyed the the hearts and souls of Steelers fans. I've always felt this way. Uh, so if anybody is going to upset the Bills and kick them out of the playoffs early, it's going to be the Dolphins. Obviously, they would change a little bit if the Patriots were to beat the Bills this week, but who knows? I do have to spend a majority of this podcast discussing the narrative around the Belichick-Brady relationship and this burgeoning idea that Brady's relative success in Tampa Bay is proof that Brady was the more potent half of the championship duo in New England and that he is the greater goat. It proves that Brady needed Belichick less than Belichick needed Brady. That's this is what's coming out. I read an article from Chris Gasper of the Boston Globe where he said point blank this is proof that Brady's greater than Belichick. And he is just one example of a person who's pushing this narrative hard. I have no ill will toward Chris Gasper whatsoever. I uh, never, you know, when I worked in Boston, I never had anything but pleasant interactions with him. Never didn't like him or anything like that. I don't even know if he remembers who I am or cares. I, my assumption is that he doesn't at all. Nevertheless, it's a really trash take and it's absent of nuance. And I, it's just important that I get some things off of my chest on this kind of once and for all before this season is over, because after a while, I'm going to get sick of talking about it. And as a, and I'm, and right now I'm not, I'm not sick of talking about it. I have a lot of thoughts. I feel like the media continues to let the fans down in so many ways. And I talked about this a little bit on Twitter, but I think the media owes it to Patriots fans after 20 years of this dynasty to talk about the nuance and to explain the realities of the NFL and to take into consideration everything that's gone on this season and give them perspective. And that's not what they're doing. They're taking the easy route. They're taking the reductive route and they're choosing sides, Brady versus Belichick, as if anything is ever that easy. So I'd like to get into that a little bit. That stuff coming up. Okay, we're gonna do a little thought experiment here. If you, As long as you are not driving, just close your eyes and imagine this if you will. Just imagine this is a reality that we are living in heading into week 16 of the NFL season. Tom Brady and the Patriots are nine and five. They've lost both their division games to their biggest divisional rival who's been slightly better than them this season despite their own aging QB. And thus the Patriots are the sixth seed as it stands heading into the standings this week. Okay. There's been ups and downs with the relationships between Tom Brady and his head coach. Some things said at the podium that have been critical of Brady. And they are now the sixth seed heading into week 16. 
What is the media narrative? This basically happened last year. They weren't nine and five. They did finish the season 12 and four, but there was clearly some discontent on Brady's side. Things weren't clicking the way that everybody wanted. And the Patriots finished 12 and four and failed to clinch a bye. And so they had to play in the first round of the playoffs. And everybody said, it's over. The dynasty's done. They don't have it. It's done. There was no faith whatsoever. They were not impressed. The Patriots, during their heyday, they get the one or the two seed. They don't have to play in the first round. That is how this goes. 12 and four didn't fucking matter because the offense didn't look good. Brady looked uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. Now here we are. And the expectations have been lowered for Brady to the point where nine and five and a six seed is proof that he is greater than Bill Belichick. A season in which if Bill Belichick were his coach, everyone would call it a relative failure is now proof he's better than Belichick. Expectations have to be lowered for Tom Brady on a new team at the age of 43. And yes, this year has been impressive for him as a bounce back statistically, but that's what it was supposed to be. This is what exactly why Brady left New England. He wanted to go and Get all of the weapons and have the autonomy on offense. That's what he wanted. So you can lower the bar because of where he went. But realistically, he went there thinking, I can do better here than I could do in New England. And I'm not sure that that's been proven. I'm not sure that's true. Meanwhile, while Brady's gone nine and five and is second place in his own division, Belichick is up in New England. He's been coaching a team, missing a handful of starters in a stadium with no fans Figuring out a new QB whose season was thrown off track by COVID just as he was hitting his stride. His most reliable receiver has been out for most of the season. And there are two other playoff teams in the division. Legitimate competition. Make no mistake about it. Swap Brady and Cam Newton. And the Bills are still better than the Patriots. And this isn't unprecedented. There's a stretch of time between the Patriots and Giants Super Bowls that feels lost to time and space. People totally forget it happens, but this is not the first stretch of time where the Patriots have seen other teams in their division get the best of them. We saw the Patriots get bested by teams in their division for three straight seasons. First in 2008 with the Dolphins when they went 11-5 and and missed the playoffs, and then in 2009 and 2010 with the Jets. I mean, you'll remember the 2009 season from a football life when we saw Belichick say behind the scenes that the team just didn't have it that year. They were in a slump. That was also, you know, when we got to see Randy Moss charm him into uh, attending a roller rink Halloween party dressed as a pirate. So it wasn't all a loss that season. We did get an iconic video clip out of that season, which I will always appreciate. But sometimes another team in the division is rolling and the Patriots falter. It's not, it wasn't frequent during the dynasty. And I'm not saying the dynasty is still going, but I am saying that things have gotten the better of Belichick when he was with Brady, but when they were together, you know, I mean, the 11 and 5 2008 season, Belichick had built such an enormously successful roster that it made Matt Castle look like a legitimately viable, decent NFL quarterback, which he was not. But it turns out that when you give Matt Castle the kind of defense that they had and Wes Welker and Randy Moss, then that's what happened. So you cut to this season and we've seen Belichick go in 11 and 5 without Brady in 2008. We've seen Belichick go 3 and 1 without Brady in 2016. And that's with having to go to your third string quarterback with Jacoby Brissett because Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt during that stretch. So altogether, he's gone 
14 and six without Brady across, you know, the span of the dynasty. Cut to this season. And Bill Belichick didn't have all the pieces he needed on his team. And the Patriots got uniquely screwed by this COVID season. Both can be true. He didn't have a championship roster regardless of COVID, but also got super screwed by COVID. You understand? So they they can both be true. COVID made it worse. And that's a fact. I'm not sure what we're arguing. You can say all you want that Cam has underperformed, but when the Patriots signed him, it was because Belichick realized he couldn't send Jarrett Stidham with no off-season camp and no preseason in to start an NFL game. Signing Cam was an act of desperation that worked because without him, this team doesn't even have six wins. And if you don't know that, then you either think Bill Belichick is a moron or you've had a break with reality and need to seek help for your condition. If you don't understand that Belichick bringing in Cam Newton saved the season to the extent that it even did, you're crazy. Stidham doesn't have it. Every week, people are asking him, every single week, who's going to be the starter? And every week he looks at you like you're fucking nuts. And then you get on the radio or you get down, you know, onto your computer and you start talking about how it's time to move on. It's not. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what else to say. I don't know how else to say it anymore. I can't be I can't be gracious or understanding of other people's shitty opinions on this anymore. So Gasper goes on this Twitter rant yesterday about how Belichick's whole thing is the Patriot way and the Patriot way is next man up and do your job and building a roster with depth to overcome injuries. So there is no excusing the way that the roster has fallen apart this season, even though, even considering the opt-outs, he said, even considering the opt-outs, because those are players like Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower are players who have missed time with injury in the past. And then he sarcastically said that Matt Lacoste is not the reason that the offense struggled this year. They weren't one Matt Lacoste away from being good. So All kinds of holes there, you know, and this is what I don't like is these are arguments that are in bad faith. First of all, Matt Lacoste at best was the third most important offensive player that opted out this season. Marcus Cannon, by the way, imagine this offensive line if Cam Newton had had Marcus Cannon. Considering the talent that they do have, just add Marcus Cannon into it, okay? Now consider the running game with Danny Vitale at fullback who he was supposed to be Devlin's replacement. In some ways, we have to assume that he was going to be able to fit into that role. But there was a high opinion of him when they signed him. There was high hopes. And you figure they're going to use him even more than the Patriots used Devlin in the past in this in this run game because it's so, it's so ground heavy, right? At best, Matt Lacoste is the third most important player that opted out on that offense. And then you go to Brandon Bolden and... You know, Najee Torin, I don't know where you he falls on your importance, Raider, but okay. And then you go to the defense, and yeah, Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower have missed time with injuries in the past. But guess what? In those seasons, first of all, they were individual situations where you're losing one player at a time to injury. And those are in seasons where Bill Belichick had a full training camp, off-season training camp, and a full preseason, so six months of time to assess players in real time with his own eyes, 
so that he could build the roster he wants to build to be able to replace these players. Not only do these players opt out in August, but they opted out in August after there had been no offseason. Bill Belichick is known for his scouting, his ability to assess players, the way that they fit into his scheme. He couldn't fucking do that all year. And you're wondering why? The Patriot way? Why next man up didn't work? Because he couldn't do it. <laughs> that's, what I'm ta- that's what I've been telling you. COVID did not affect teams equally. If you build a team the way that Bill Belichick has over the last 20 years, if that's how you create your success, this season is going to screw you over more than it has screwed over other teams. I'm not saying that other teams don't do the same type of things where they build their, you know, depth. And I'm not saying every team was affected by this. But what I'm telling you is this inordinately affected a team that builds uniquely through depth and who had three times as many players opt out as any other team. You don't get to retcon this and say, well, none of that matters. Like, of course it matters. You can't say that Tom Brady going nine and five and being in second place in his division is proof of anything while Bill Bill Belichick's won three fewer games under extremely adverse conditions. And by the way, the role of a head coach in a pandemic stricken season cannot be compared to a 43 year old quarterback moving to Tampa, being handed everything he asked for and being told to throw the fucking ball. I'm sorry. They are not the same. All this season has done is prove that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are at their best when when they're together, but that they can succeed and they can find ways to build a team and win without each other because that's how it works. I mean, this whole fucking conversation is just really crazy to me. You know, Patrick Mahomes, part of his success is because of the system that Andy Reid has designed, a brilliant system that doesn't take off. We knew Andy Reid was an incredible offensive genius before Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes helped put him over the top. He wasn't winning Super Bowls without the guy, without the guy he needed, his quarterback. Andy Reid's a surefire Hall of Fame coach. He was before he even got Patrick Mahomes. Bill Belichick had built a defensive dynasty with the New York Giants. He was the genius behind Bill Parcell's ring. It wasn't Phil Simms, I can tell you that. It was Bill Belichick. Every Super Bowl that Bill Parcell's ever coached in, Bill Belichick was by his side. He never went anywhere without Bill Belichick. Didn't do a damn thing. The last time the Browns won a playoff game was when Bill Belichick was their head coach. He took the team that Pete Carroll could do nothing with and in a year took them to the Super Bowl. And you're telling me, He needs to prove that he can do it without Tom Brady. Nobody can win six NFL rings without Tom Brady. Like, I don't even want to argue that. That's not the point I want to make. Of course he couldn't have won six rings without Tom Brady. And Tom Brady is not going to win six rings without Bill Belichick. Of course he's not going to win six rings without Bill Belichick. What don't you people understand about the fact that these two incredible all-time talents benefited from being with each other for 20 years? I don't understand what you can't grasp about that. And I don't understand why in 2020 you think either of their performances is gonna prove a damn thing. 20 years of evidence cannot be undone 
by one season during a pandemic. Do you understand how crazy that is to just ignore the fact that this season has been affected by more adversity outside of football and inside football than any season we've ever watched? Do you know how crazy it is to say that 2020 is proof of anything, let alone that somehow Brady has on his own winning nine games has diminished anything about Belichick's legacy? It's a joke. It doesn't make any sense. There's no dots connecting there. It's rogue thoughts out in the universe being picked at random and thrown at you for dramatic effect. That's all it is. In reality, we have seen a 43-year-old Tom Brady have a really impressive season for someone who's 43 years old. I mean, he shouldn't be this good. He has certainly proven that he is a worthwhile starter in this league. But like nobody thought he wasn't. Belichick didn't move on from him because he thought Brady couldn't play football. He just didn't want to commit to him the way that Brady would have wanted. And by the way, Brady's made it clear he didn't want to live in New England anymore. He was tired. He wanted to go down and be tan in Tampa, I guess. I don't... The relationship had run its course. Brady is a weird guy. He wanted to go and do something and prove that he could do it on his own. Congrats, he did that. And unless something wild happens, this season will be another disappointment for him because he's not winning a Super Bowl. I just don't see it. The only way Brady proves a single thing is if somehow he wins a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. And the only way that Bill Belichick proves a single thing is if he somehow wins a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. And even then, does winning one Super Bowl without the other, does it really prove anything? Because Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Like, what are we proving? One Super Bowl, that lots of coaches and quarterbacks have won one Super Bowl. One Super Bowl with another coach or another quarterback doesn't equal six Super Bowls together. It's done. The story is written. Stop trying to do this. Stop trying to make it into something that it's not. Like, you think, you really think that Tom Brady could have won six Super Bowls with another coach over the last 20 years. You really think that. That's crazy to me that you would think that. Look at how hard they had to fight every year to get where they did get, to play in the nine Super Bowls that they did play in. Like, you think another coach is gonna coach Tom Brady to nine Super Bowl appearances. He's gonna always have the roster depth. He's gonna always have the defense. He's gonna always have the scheme. He's gonna always have all of that. You thought, think another coach would have always had that for 20 years, starting in 2001 and going all the way until 2019. You don't, you don't think that. I know you don't. Because if you're listening to this podcast, you care enough about sports that you've thought about these things. Unless you are 15 years old and you do not we're not alive for the first few Super Bowls. There's no way you think that. There's no way you think there's another coach in the league right now that starting in 2001 would have started winning Super Bowls and going to Super Bowls and wouldn't have stopped for 20 years. So I don't know what to tell you. And reverse it, I don't think that if you give Bill Belichick, Aaron Rodgers, or Drew Brees, that he wins six of nine. I don't. I don't think those players have the same killer instinct and the same understanding of that moment that Tom Brady does. I'm sorry that it's so hard to understand, but greatness can coexist. All time greatness can coexist and they can lift each other up. To make a 20 year football relationship last takes so much work. 
so much effort that like this isn't rut. It's not replicable. It's not. Even if Patrick Mahomes wins three Super Bowls in the next five, six years, Andy Reid would have to coach him for another 12, 13, 14 years. And what makes coaches and quarterbacks special is their unique relationship to each other. It just does. All right. Well, that was one big, long rant this week. I, uh, I had to get that off my chest. I had to just get all my thoughts out there and put it out there. And I know it was a lot of preaching. And I know that I sound stuffy because Los Angeles is ruining my allergies. I swear to God, I wasn't this bad in Massachusetts. It's depressing. But I appreciate you hanging in there with me. I appreciate you listening and hearing me out. I hope that I provided some sort of perspective for you so that you can enjoy the rest of your holiday season without having this plaguing your your thoughts as a Patriots fan or really as an NFL fan if you're invested in the narrative. I hope that I've I've, uh, given you something to chew on. In the meantime, happy holidays. Have an amazing next, you know, week or so. Maybe I'll talk to you next week before the new year. Hopefully I, I can, but if not... I guess here's to 2021, the half-hearted optimism. We'll see what happens. Thank you for listening this week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.